0: Turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah tonight. Isaiah chapter number 64 in the Word of God. I like his book. It's a good book. It's a great book. It's a blessed book. A bountiful book. Got answered all your problems right here in the Word of God. If people would just pick it up and read it. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 64. I want to begin reading with verse number 1. If you have your place, would you please stand if you're able tonight. In reverence to the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message. The Bible says, O oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, The fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down. The mountains flowed down at thy presence." For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay and thou art the potter and we all are the work of thine hand. Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see... We beseech thee, we are all thy people. The holy cities are in the wilderness. Zion is in the wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praised thee, is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Will Thou thou hold Thy peace and afflict us very sore? I want to use as a thought tonight, a simple thought that we can pull from Isaiah 64, the necessity for revival. The necessity for revival. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, Lord, we do love You. We thank You for the good songs of Zion, the good fellowship thus far. Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom from heaven to rightly divide the word of truth tonight. God, I pray we wouldn't preach in error, but preach in truth. And when we leave this place tonight, we can say that it's been good to be in your house. Father, I don't have all the answers, but you do. And Lord, I pray you would lead us, guide us, direct us through this message tonight. Undergird us with your spirit and your power to where we may preach your word. And we'll love you and praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As Brother Bobby quoted the Scripture earlier, the Bible does tell us if my people, that being the Christian, if my people, if we'd humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face, the Bible says he'd heal our land if there is a time in the you know in the history of this world the history of this nation that needs a, a healing it is today in which we live you know, sin runs rampant on every turn people are disregarding the word of god people have no kind of uh, influence from the word because they won't get in the word People do not find help in the Word because they won't dive into the Word. And, folks, if we ever need help from heaven, it isn't a day in which we live. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, I, I seen the news this morning. Some of you may have seen it. I believe it was in Washington State. And they showed a video ca- camera, a video film of a, a man that ran by a park and grabbed a 22-year-old, a 22-month-old baby out of its carriage picked it up, and or the stroller there, and picked it up and began to run with it down the street. And then uh, the little brother and the little sister was just about yay high. They're take off running after this grown man with their little brother in their hand. And they're not giving up. They're running. And you can see it on the film. They're following him, you know. They're trying to go as fast as they can. The man must have got spooked and he dropped the baby off in an alley and they found the baby and everything was okay and they're still looking for the man. But my question is, shouldn't we be looking for the parent? Huh? Think about that, man. I know that probably uh, uh, 40 years ago, Preacher Bobby, we could have done that, you know. We could uh, uh, let the kids play in the front yard or go to the park and everything be okay and, you know, never lock your doors and never lock your windows. But in the day in which we live today, it's a different time. Uh, The devil is as a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. What is the necessities of revival? What? Why do we need revival? We need revival to heal our land. We need revival because I believe it is the will of God for us to have revival. We need revival because I believe revival can be the life of the church uh, and can jumpstart the church in a direction in which it needs to be going when it gets stagnant. And when it gets stagnant, I mean a lot of people stop praying. A lot of people stop attending. Our hearts grow cold and we have to have that revival to help us. And listen, we need revival for the redemption of man. People still get saved in revival. We need a revival to where the saints can rejoice deep down in their hearts once more. We need to understand that revival is a vital part and a vital function of the church that can help us. It's just not to be a a a series of good services or good meetings, but it's something that should ignite a flame deep down inside your heart to, to where it can carry you six months or two a year down the road or even longer. Some of the great revivals that you've read about in history, and they lasted years, seem like. And it all started when individuals decided to pray and said, God, heal us and send us a great revival. Send us revival our way, Lord, and help us the only way that You can. But what are some of the reasons that we need revival? And I see here in verse number 1 of chapter 64 of the book of Isaiah, why do we need, what is the reason for revival? The first thing I see there is mountains. Isaiah 64 and 1, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, uh, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Folks, we have mountains that we have to climb. When we have revival, you can conquer that mountain and you can be on top of that mountain for just a while. But my friends, life is full of mountains and life is full of valleys. And sometimes it takes a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost-sent revival that will help us through those valleys and get us back on top of the mountain. We see that mountain as an obstacle as we're in the valley. But as we gain a victory and get on top of that mountain, we see that mountain as our friend. So we need to understand tonight, people do go through things and revival can pull them out. Uh, people are more depressed today than ever. Uh, I guess this year I've had more people tell me, Pastor, pray for me because I'm in a dark place or pray for me because I'm going through a, a dark, deep time of depression. Listen, I'm here to tell you, there is times when you will get depressed. Depressed. There will be times when you need spiritual help and there may be times that there's words that I cannot say to help you but a man of God that's been chosen to come and speak to you for next week might be the very one that gives it to you. He may give you something that I can't give you. I may be able to give another crowd something that their pastor could not give them. Pastor Bobby may be able to give you something tonight that I can't give you that will help you along life's journey. Folks, we're going to have those obstacles in our way. Uh, This world is so full of medication in these days. uh, I believe medication's good. Uh, I believe medication helps a lot of people. I believe used in the right way. Medication is something that's sent from God and given to man to help us. But I also believe that sometimes we get too much of it. I believe it's pushed upon us and we take it and it messes with our mind. I believe it will even mess with your spirit sometimes. It will take you into those places that you don't want to be. But not only the mountains, but I see the sinfulness as a reason for revival there in verses number 5 and 6 the Bible says Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness those that remember thee in thy ways behold thou art wroth for we have sinned in those is continuance and we shall be saved for we are all as as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us Folks, we need revival when there's sin that creeps into the camp. Uh, There's a lot of times when churches can't flourish and churches can't prosper because there is sin uh, uh, sitting in the pew. Preacher Bobby, I've seen it down through the years where people actually backslide sitting on a pew every service. They know the truth. They know what they need to be doing. And it's not about the do's and don'ts tonight. But yet something gets their attention and they get drawn out in the world. And the church attendance is just a habit. It's a good habit. But if you're not getting anything when you get here, I don't know if that's good at all. We've got to be growing together. We've got to be learning together. We have to grow spiritually in the Word of God to where the Word of God can help you in life's journey. Folks, I have seen it this year people backsliding, sitting on a pew and working in the church. It happens. It is not something that anyone should be proud of, especially a pastor. It's not something that a church member would be proud of. But they get out into the world and some type of sin uh, takes control or just catches their eye and then pulls them away. uh, And then all of a sudden they're just going through the motions because my pastor expects me to be there. Uh, They expect me to be there to do this and they expect me to be there to do that. Listen, it's not what all that matters about me. You better think about what God has to say. Sinfulness, mountains, but I also see prayerlessness. Look at verse number 7. And there is none that calleth upon thy name. Huh? Let me read that again. There is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Prayerlessness. When the church falls into a rut of prayerlessness, uh, it's usually when the pastor or the leadership of the church or the church attendees or members, if you will, uh, that attend that church quit praying. Hopefully this revival will move all our hearts to a place of prayer. To where we can pray more in 2015 than we've ever prayed before. What are some of the results of prayerlessness? Just as a side note tonight, uh, if you've got a church that is prayerless or you have pastors that are prayerless or if you've got leaders that are prayerless or if you've got attenders that are prayerless, it will definitely show because your congregation will be small. Not only will your congregation be small, but conversions will be few. And not only the smallness of the congregation and the few in the conversions, but Christians will be cold. We'll get cold, my friend, if we don't stay in touch with God and continue to talk to Him. I can't say it enough how important it is for us to go to God on a daily basis and pray and pour our hearts out to the Lord. Listen, i seen a day when I first started preaching, we wouldn't have to get finished with the sermon before the altars would fill up with people ready to pray. I'd still be a-preaching, and I wouldn't know what in the world to do, Preacher Bobby. But follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Sometimes we'd keep on preaching and they'd keep on praying. Sometimes I'd cut it off and let God do whatever He is wanting to do according to how the Spirit led in the service. We have come to a point in time and day in which we live that prayer is not very important to anybody. We've got it made in the day that we live. Most people can have just about anything that they want to have. If you've got the courage to sign the dotted line, you can just about get it. Anything that you need in your home that you need, you don't have to wait to Christmas to get it as a Christmas gift. uh, You can go and buy it. Most of us have a a good place to live. We've got adequate heat. We've got adequate air conditioning. uh, We live in comfortable homes with comfortable beds. uh, And we're looking now back at a time, my friends, when things weren't so comfortable. I remember Granny telling me about the days that they lived in Tennessee and they'd all gather up in one room where the stove is and they'd go to bed and they'd pile the kivers up, they'd say. You know, six foot high on top of them. And stick pans all around the bed to catch the melting snow from the top of the roof. And look through the floor at the bottom and see the chickens digging around in the dirt under the house. Rick, them them wasn't too... Energy efficient, I suppose. Them homes, were you know, uh, the things weren't that good back then. When they went to the church house, they didn't have good, comfortable pews to sit in. Uh, they had, uh, you know, uh, they had the windows open in the summertime, and it was hot. And but yet, people would flood the house of God. And you know, look at look what we're sitting in here today. You have got all the comforts that you would ever need. What happened? What has happened is we have become a spoiled people. Everything is handed to us pretty much on a silver platter. Me included, I confess that. I've I've had the same watch for a couple of years, done sent it in a couple of times and come back. I finally got fed up with that watch not keeping time last night. I went and bought me a watch. I didn't have to wait till Pastor Appreciation Day to buy me a watch. I went and bought me a watch, Brother Gerald. I needed a watch. You know? But back in the day, uh, when things weren't so good, you'd have probably found somebody like me on an altar of prayer. Lord, you know I need to have a good watch to where I can set the service times and get started on time and so forth. Lord, I need a watch. Would you please send me one? I didn't pray not one thing about this rock watch. I just went and got it. I'm going to start praying for it, though, because maybe it will keep working. And I won't have to buy another one. <laughs> huh? You see, where we've come is, is, is full circle. My friends, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to ask God. Listen, there'll be a time, I promise you this, there'll be a time when you will have to pray. There will be a time that we all may be made as a church to pray and pray for one reason or the other. It'll be, it may be a tragedy that hits our church. It may be a tragedy that hits your life. But whatever it may be, God has His ways to drive His people to our knees. Prayerlessness. We don't need to be cold. We need to see people saved. We need to grow spiritually and numerically. I'm not big to be caught up on numbers, but I can say this. All I know is the more people that's in the house of God is the more, more people that's getting help and the more opportunity people get saved. That's what we're for. That's what we're here for. Amen. Look at the request for the revival. There in the very first verse, let me read that piece of Scripture again. Oh, that Thou wouldest rend the heavens, that Thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at Thy presence. In other words, the prophet is saying, Lord, if You'll just split the heavens, if You'll just come down and bring these mountains down to where we can conquer them. In other words, the prophet is saying, Lord, help us have revival. Lord, bring us something that we need that will take care of us. You look at verse number 10, they're in bad shape. It says, The holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Zion being a type of the church, if you will. Jerusalem, a desolation. Uh, the prophet is going to God on behalf of the people and saying, Lord, we need your help. We need your help. We need revival in times just as these. We need to request revival by the means of asking and going to God in prayer. It wouldn't matter if we had uh, uh, David Gibbs next week. It wouldn't matter if we had Billy Graham next week. Uh, it wouldn't matter if you had Todd Black, Bobby Bowers. Who? It wouldn't matter who we had. If we can't pray revival down tonight, my friend, we won't have revival. But we can have some of the best preaching lined up. We can have some of the best singing lined up. But if you're not sincere and desiring revival in your heart, in your life, and in your church, we'll never have revival. It comes from God up above. It doesn't matter who stands behind the podium, in front of the podium, or on top of the pew. What matters is if God sends us revival. It comes from God. It doesn't come from man. And we have to go uh, being aware of this fact, knowing that revival comes by asking. Uh, and sometimes when we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to make amends first before we go where we can get our prayers through. Sometimes people hold grudges. Sometimes people get mad. And will have an evil spirit in their heart to where they just can't get a prayer through. I've seen people, they'll come to me and say, Preacher, I don't know what's going on, but I just can't get a prayer through. Then I begin to ask a few questions, and it doesn't take very long to figure out why they can't get a prayer through. Because their life's in shambles. Their life is completely messed up from their home life to the church life to the tithe that they should be given, living under a curse of God, and wondering why they can't get a prayer through. Hmm. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I'd rather be able to talk to God than to have the whole world in my hand. Amen? We ought to have that attitude tonight to be able to to, to get in touch with heaven to where we can... uh, ask and receive and... But you know, and it's a different message for a different day, but there's many things that will hinder your prayer life. A lot of people don't realize it, but it's in the Word of God. If a husband-wife relationship is not right, that hinders your prayers. So, you know, if y'all have it out tonight over supper and then come to the house of God and try to pray, you might not get too far. (laughs) You know? If there's iniquity in thine heart... my friends, they you know your prayer life's probably not very good. All of this puts that barrier up. It breaks fellowship with God. And folks, we have to go to God asking him to forgive us of our sins, go to those others that we may have unrightedly done wrong. Ask them to forgive us. Go to God with a clean heart, then pray. Then believe. The subject of revival tonight, pray for revival and believe God's going to send it. I want to spend a little bit of time on the fourth point or the third point tonight. The results of revival. The first thing that we'll receive if we have a revival is a new consciousness of sin. It baffles and behooves me that in the day that which we live, people don't think sin is sin anymore. Well, preacher, you know it's okay these days for me to live with her for a while just to try it out before we get married. No, it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh, but you know, preacher, it ain't hurting nobody. Yeah, it is. It's against the Word of God. And I have heard this. Well, preacher, we're just going to live together because if I marry her, my check's going to get cut out. I believe I'd let the check flow and get right with God and, and, and get a ring on my finger. <laughs> huh? The consciousness of sin. You know, when people get mad at the preacher, let me tell you how what's the, the most number one reason people get mad at the preacher is this you expose their sin. they get mad at you. And you go to them in love and you go to them and you may say, hey, I'm I'm coming to you as a pastor. I just want you to know that what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong and and we're going to have to let you sit down for a while at church and you need to make things right with the Lord and you need to prove yourself. You need to sit down and listen for a while and boy, they'll get fighting mad and say, I'm not taking it and I'm not coming back no more. What is a pastor supposed to do? Who is it on if I know that Steve Hanna has sin in his life and I don't go to him? Who's it on? If I know that Brother Gerald Bailey's got sin in his life and I go to Brother Gerald and I try to talk to him and I try to help him and I try to restore him and yet he gets angry and he turns around and leaves and starts flapping his jaws and and just you know causing a big ruckus, That's our job. Excuse me. I hate that word job. That's our duty. That's what most people have done today. They've turned it into a job. It's a duty. And may I say again, I didn't choose this duty. It got chose for me. But listen, when you pastor people and when you love people and when you try to show them the Word of God and try to show them the direction that they need to go and if they get offensive and they get mad and they get ill, let me say this, and I'm not one for throwing rocks. I try my best. I can't tell you I've never thrown any because I have. But, but, let me say this. (laughs) You know what happens when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs? The one that yells the fast and runs is the one you hit. Huh? You might as well write guilty across your head. You know what I'm saying? They're the one that runs. And it's just because you go with them with the truth. Not very many people, Preacher Bobby, that I have had to go to with a the, with the problem of sin that, and they've tried to explain it away or, or, or whatever, but most of the time they get ill at you. Even if you get concerned, about him, I remember sitting right here one time years ago with a man uh, that he had lost his child, he has lost his wife. He was just in a mess. He was in trouble. But listen, he started getting real cold in church. He'd start missing Sunday nights. He'd start missing Wednesday nights. And boy, I just knew I could tell that he was in. A, he probably headed in the wrong direction. I sat down with him one day. I said, "Brother, just as your pastor, let me tell you that I love you. I appreciate you. I know you've been through a lot. I want to help you. Let's try to meet." up sometime. Let's have lunch. Let's talk about things to try to help you in your deepest, darkest hour because I believe God can help you. and I believe God can maybe even use me to help you if it's His will. And I want to help you. If you would, just let me help you. And boy, He got fighting mad and I never seen Him again. I would thank God for a pastor that would come to me that seen something in my life that needed to be worked out and needed to be straightened and came to me in confidence and was talking to me and said, Preacher or, or, or Todd, you, 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 need to, you need to watch what you're doing because this is wrong. And, and, and I would have the utmost respect for that. And I, I would like to think that I would have a listening ears to what the man of God would have to say. It's an, we're under-shepherds under the Lord. In other words, we're responsible for watching after your soul. I don't want anybody to go to hell tonight. But boy, we'll take hit after hit. You'll get hit on the left. You'll get hit on the right. Hit square in the nose with this, that, and the other just because you're trying to do the right thing. But if revival comes our way, you yourself will have a new consciousness of sin you'll begin to realize in itself what is right and what is wrong. Even though we most of the time know it anyway, I believe Satan throws up blinders from time to time to where you can't see the truth. We've always heard of sins of omission, things that we know we ought to do and we don't do. The Bible says it's a sin. And then the sins of commission, which is uh, the sins that uh, we commit opening willingly... But I got a new one for you. I revealed it to you the other week. Sins of permission. Just because everybody else in the world agrees with it don't make it right. It don't make it right. You know? And it's difficult sometimes to to look at people and and knowing that they're going to get mad as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Because you never know how people are going to react. Very few have said, Pastor, I appreciate you talking to me like you did. Because you showed that you're concerned for me. And I am concerned for people. But we've got to have a consciousness of sin tonight. And we'll gain that as a result of revival. But number two, we'll have a new consecration to God. In other words, we'll be closer to God. We should be closer to God come this time next Wednesday because we'll be done being in about four services and we ought to be getting closer and closer to God. And then by Sunday week, we ought to be real close to God and consecrated coming out of a great revival and knowing that God has helped us. Being closer to God than we've ever been before. And when you get into that place where you're real close to God, don't you ex- listen, let this be a warning to you go ahead and expect a fight from the devil. And if we pray tonight and, and seek God's face, uh, as the good preacher doesn't say it, if we go and seek God's face tonight for revival, I'm here to tell you the devil will fight you the rest of the week and all the next week. Uh, he'll tell you that you don't have time to go. Uh, he'll tell you the kids have got homework. Uh, he'll tell you the kids have got ball practice. He'll tell you that you need to go home and cook supper instead of go to the house of God. Uh, he'll say we got to do dishes, we got to do wash clothes, we got to do this, that, and the other. Anything that can be done afterwards, we can do it. Before or after, just asking for a little bit of your time. God's asking for a little bit of your time. A new consecration to God. But not only that, a result of revival is a new commitment to the church. A new commitment to the church. Amen. Amen. Uh, Come in after a great revival. You'll be ready to run a vacuum cleaner. You'll be ready to wipe down a pew. Uh, You'll be ready to change a light bulb. Uh, You'll be ready to cut the grass. You'll be ready to do all that kind of stuff. A new commitment to God. You know, a new commitment to the church. Maybe you wasn't active in Sunday school and then all of a sudden uh, God touched you the week of revival and all of a sudden you got a commitment to come to the house of God for Sunday school. Or maybe you're not a Wednesday night person, but yet when God touches you in the midst of revival and one of the results is is to have a new commitment to the church. Maybe you don't tithe 10% of your income and boy, God gets a hold of your heart about that. Then all of a sudden you can't wait to get to church with your tithing envelope. Let me say this right quick. Folks, without the tithes, we can't continue to operate. You're looking at a building payment that's nearly $5,000 a month. A power bill that lately has been running upwards to $800 a month. Then you got your pastor that you graciously give a salary package to. And we've got water bills, and you know, the air conditioning's not free. The power and the lights and the upkeep is not free. We have to pay for that kind of stuff. How do we pay it? Through tithes and offerings. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I won't preach something to you that I don't do myself. My record's an open book if anybody wants to look. And you can take a look yourself at our own record if you'd like. A commitment, a new commitment but you'll also have a new compassion for the saints. When you see that brother that's struggling along, uh, where at one time you might have uh, shunned him by the way he looked, or maybe even by the way that he smells, or, or by the way that he dresses, all of a sudden you see him struggling, and now you've got a new commitment. You've got a new compassion for that one that's in deep trouble, and you'll gather around that individual and pray. Compassion. Compassion. God's not impressed by the money that we have in our pockets. God is not impressed by uh, who we are as a person or how nice our clothes may be tonight. But I believe God is impressed with a compassionate people that looks after that need of another. And like I said, there's not many needs around here. We we, we don't have many people that have many needs of, as far as, uh, uh, you know... Uh, uh, material things that that are maybe of need but I tell you what we've got a lot of people that just need prayer there ought not be a person hit this altar this, this coming week without people just gathering around them and lifting them up toward God ought to be in there with them what can I help you pray for let me help you showing compassion for the saints but then last and definitely not least tonight the result of revival Number five, a new concern for the lost. Whether we realize it or not, folks, people are dying and going to hell every day. Each and every day in which we live. People are dying, I'm sure, from church pews today across this country. Dying and going to hell without Jesus. With a lamb available. With a lamb available. Dying and going to hell. I believe it's worth repeating what Brother McCurry said last Wednesday night. He was speaking of Cain and Abel. And he said he believed that there is reason to believe that Cain and Abel could have possibly been twins. You read in Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 down through about verse 6. You'll see where there's one conception in two births. I've heard that theory before, never really looked into it, but it's there. One conception, two birds. Of course, uh, Cain was going to bring his sacrifice to the field. He was going to bring maybe his fruits and vegetables, maybe his flowers, maybe his plants. He was going to bring that for the sacrifice. That wasn't what God wanted. And I'm sure what Cain was going to bring was very valuable. But God wanted a lamb. And the Bible says that Abel brought firstlings, plural. His point was this just maybe Abel was looking out for his brother Cain and wanted to bring him a lamb to sacrifice if he'd take it. A lamb was available, but Cain didn't take it. A lot of people are dying and going to hell today with a lamb available. Wow. Our duty is to take the Lamb to those that need it. Those that are dying without Christ. He is the Lamb. He is the resurrected Lamb. He's the crucified, resurrected Lamb. And folks, as we speak to you tonight on the necessities of revival, the requests, the results. I believe it's plain to see. It's all going to start with us praying. And I know we prayed Sunday, and but I encourage you to come around this altar tonight and continue to pray. And pray that God would help us. As they come get us something soft to play and I'll ask you to stand across this auditorium. Folks, we need revival. And we need to continue to pray. Please don't take on the attitude, well, we've been praying, preacher. We've been praying. We need to pray more. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you for the service tonight. I pray that you would help us, Lord, do that which what needs to be done. Father, I pray that you would help us Have a great revival beginning Sunday morning. And may it continue to flow. Bless your children tonight in Jesus' name.